Hey, Hair Gamma listeners, I'm your host, Eric Taylor, and I'm sitting here with Donovan. He's going to help me do the intro today. Hello, Hair Gamers. Donovan, you and I haven't talked a whole lot today. You've been out there in the office, you've been busy, you've had your headphones on, very, head down. Very, very busy, working on a lot of cool stuff for the Hair Game Podcast. Uh, you know, nothing we can talk about just yet. we got to get it up on its feet, but uh, very exciting. What are, you, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, I'm teasing the listeners. We'll talk about it in another intro. What new things are we doing? Okay, well, we may be doing a little dabbling. Don't, don't oh, tell them. Okay. Don't tell them what we're okay. doing. We'll save it. Even though I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about, <laughs> let's not spoil it. Okay. 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 All right. I think I have an idea what you're talking about, but we'll just have to wait and see anyway until it's ready. All right. Let's get to the Podloot giveaway. We're giving away an Amazon Echo smart speaker. I brought Donovan in my my office to do the honors. I have the bag right here. Reach Ooh, in there yes. and grab here a winner. Here we go. And the winner is Cosmo Alice. Cosmo Alice. Do a little jingle. Do jingle? Yeah, you know, like, uh, congratulations. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Come on. Um, I can't. I got, oh, I got nothing dude. right now. I really? got nothing right now. Come on. Something like a, um, you're a winner. <laughs> <laughs> I think you nailed it. I think oh you nailed God. it. Oh, my God. No way. You, you made me sing. Man, yeah. You that was, turned that, that on That was me. the trick the whole time. Shit. <laughs> All right. DM me, Cosmo Alice, at Love Eric Taylor on Instagram, and I'm going to send you this Amazon Echo smart speaker. At the end of this episode, I'm going to tell you about a very special giveaway for next week's episode and how you can win that. It's extremely special. I'm super excited about it. Do you know anything about this? No, I can't wait to hear about it, though. Okay. Uh, Now on to my conversation with professional photographer Eric Ita. Great to meet you. You as well. I see that your parents know how to spell Eric properly. <laughs> yeah, with the C, that's the right way. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's the right way. way. People with C are always the best Eric's. There's I agree. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. K, like what is K? Exactly. <laughs> so where are you from? Uh, I was born in West Africa, Nigeria. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I've been I've been in America since 2001. Wow. Yeah. Okay. In your 30-ish. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so did you move uh, from Africa straight to? Straight to Las Vegas. Straight to Las Vegas. Yes, yeah, I was a jarring, jarring change uh, in, of course, everything I, I, I thought I, I knew, really. So coming from, I mean, it's, and I lived in a city. It's not like, you know, it's not like, it's not like the way you see it on TV where it feels very impoverished and things like that. Like we came from a wealthy family and we were, you know, afforded all the all the nice things you could have as a child but um, I think just growing up around that and the city life uh, in comparison to Las Vegas where everything's so bright and loud you know there it's, it's quite dark especially at night you know things like that so so that was the first thing and then the second thing was uh, the honest I don't want to say nudity because it's not quite nudity but just the free expression. <laughs> the salaciousness <laughs> right. of the culture. Um, and coming from Nigeria, where you you couldn't even talk back to your parents if they were yelling at you, you, you know, you put your head down. So like being, being in the same car with my dad and driving through Las Vegas Boulevard and like half naked billboards, you know what I mean? Driving past you. And then you're just like, I don't have, a, I wasn't trained to, <laughs> to respond to this. So like that awkwardness yeah. mixed with like schooling and sort of trying to balance out my the way I, I spoke because you know Niger, we're colonized by the British 
and so our English is 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 tuned towards like the UK right. vocab. It's proper so, English. Proper it's English. okay for you That's to say right. that. Yeah. <laughs> and so having to to switch things around, trousers, pants, biscuits, cookies, and just little things like that. So I had to learn all of that. So yeah. it was very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And so why did you, so the whole family moved or just no, you? No, my dad, my dad actually went to University of Michigan. So he'd been in America since he was in college and, and my granddad also studied in America. So we've, so there's just been a trail of Itas in, in America. So he, uh, he was an engineer, scientist, and he got a job in Henderson fixing the water plant a long time ago. And so he liked gambling and sort of just, excuse, excuse me, he just loved the uh, appeal of Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And craps was his favorite game, so he just ended up here. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. Probably not the first one to come to Las Vegas because they like craps. Right. <laughs> That's super cool. So you yeah. were, if I'm doing the math, mm -hmm. you were like 10, 11, 12 when uh, you got 14, to Las Vegas. 15, 14. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Big time change for you. Oh, yeah. And so you left all your friends? Left all my friends. Well, my parents were politicians, oh. actually. So we had a habit of moving around. Mm. Um, and so, so I'd, I'd had, I've made a lot of friends because uh, I spent maybe a year or two in, in, a, in a different state throughout my youth. So I've, I'd been to about four or five different schools at the time. Mm -hmm. So I never really made good friends, like solid long-term long -term friend. friends. Yeah. So it wasn't as jarring. It was mostly my family because you know we live in in, uh, in compounds and, and our and our families are like our cousins, our aunts, or everyone lives together generally. So that was the hard part, was leaving all of that and like trying to figure out like life here without that sort of support system. Right. So, wow. Yeah. Huge change. Okay. So you're 14, 15 or so, you make it to the States. Um, take me to the point at which you become a professional photographer. Okay. So my background because of my early education was actually in, in computer science, which for a child was strange, but I was, I was very good at coding. And I used to use QBasic to like make codes to open garage doors and like little th crazy things like that, you know? Huh. So when I moved to America, actually I got a job uh, through the school, you know, for, um, for uh, fixing computers and building networks for the, for the college in uh, College of Southern Nevada. And so I had that job for three years and I was working there sort of, you know, locking Facebook and locking MySpace so people couldn't have access to it. I mean, just little things like that. Right. So, so I was doing that for three years and it was fun because I got to, you know, do what I liked at the time. But one day I stumbled upon the software department's like drawer. It was left open and I was kind of looking through the software programs and I saw Photoshop. And I picked it up and I installed it in my computer, but I didn't have any pictures to play around with. Um, so that's sort of where the curiosity grew from. So the, the day I was able to make $600 you know, in, in change, I invested in a camera just for practice. I had a friend who was a model at the time. And so I would just photograph him and sort of play around in my, during break times and stuff. So, and then over time, I sort of just figured it out. You know. Wow. And obviously, you had a passion for it because it sound, sounded like you were IT focused, right. and then you went to the, the art and creativity of photography. Well, you know how people always find themselves doing something, and then they go, oh, "I wonder what else is 
what else is interesting. Like you got to find something else to balance out the thing that you're doing, I think. And so my thing that balanced me out was like taking those little breaks and sort of messing around. And, and I always liked shadows and, and reflections and things like that as a, as a youth. So that was already, in, was already of interest to me. So being able to, um, to actually start applying those things that felt natural, the instincts, uh, just became very interesting. And I, just, I found myself spending nights going through Photoshop it was Adobe CS3 at the time, so just sort of learning that and, and playing around with going out and shooting with my friend. And before I knew it, people on MySpace were asking me to take photos of them because they were like, wow, you, you know, the photos are so good. And then they were asking how much I charged. And I was, I was like, I don't, I don't charge for it. And my friend was like, you should, you should charge for it. Just tell, whatever they tell you, just, you know, do that. And so, so that's sort of where I, I started incorporating the business aspect of it and just putting a, a small fee on top of that and so yeah super interesting okay so bring us to current day okay. and tell us like what your career looks like it's become a career it's become a career uh, officially in 2008 uh, was when I had I, I stopped working for other people and I started my own studio so my dad uh, gave me well I had to pay him back two thousand dollars to invest in uh, my first studio space and then I just had to figure it out because I had to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I'd already made so many contacts that it, you know, everyone was just wanting to come to the studio and shoot, and some people wanted to rent it out and things like that. So um, it just ended up becoming sort of its own thing. And so. Um, and this is in Vegas. And this is in Vegas. Yeah, I started off in nightlife, taking pictures at clubs. So through that, I got to meet a lot of you know celebrities would come there at night and. Um, and so I got to meet a lot of like very cool, interesting people at the time. And then my friend actually got me into modeling a little bit. And so I was doing some shows with him and my very first show was for Converse. And so I got to, um, Nick Cannon was one of the, yeah, I wear, a lot, I wear Converse all the time. <laughs> He's now. wearing a pretty cool <laughs> pair of green Converse. That's yeah. one of the downsides of podcasting oh, yeah. is that they can't see. Right. But, um, and then I did a show with Nick Cannon and Dwayne Wade was the was it was his first shoe I think it just come out with. Cool. And then from there, you know, I just made all these sort of little connections here and there. I got to sit in the same room as Prince. I said hi to him. Wow. He was he was like at a, you know in one of the clubs. Was back he then. Prince or was he the was, ar artist formerly he known? Was, I think he was back. To, it might have been when he was. Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. Prince was my very first concert when I moved to America. Oh, so, yeah. so when I saw him, I was just sort of like, whoa, am I, you know. That's awesome. Tiny, but. <laughs> um, and so I think just sort of that network of, of people and a lot of people, and because there weren't that many nightlife photographers, it was easy for people to kind of, people noticed me. And, you know, I always tried to have a different hairstyle. I had a huge mohawk and I, ha I wore weird colors that didn't seem like they should match. But somehow it's like, oh, it's OK, because it's Eric. Yeah. And I would I would I was like a heavy peacocker before that was a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, and I think so I just sort of stood out as a as a character in nightlife. Mm -hmm. So so I, I, w I don't want to say that I became popular in nightlife, but but, you know, I could walk into it. I had access to every club in Vegas. So you I could were walk, known. Right. I could walk in and out of any club without having to show my ID, you know, and so. Um, what a great so place that, for, for that for sort that. of access. Right. And the funny thing is I, I don't drink. I have never done a single drug in my life, never any of that. So 
so it was just very ironic to be in this environment, Studio 54, and just watching people go through doing all of that. And, and, and all I did was photograph it. So I sort of understood it from being, you know, being an outsider's perspective. So that was, yeah. I mean, that's besides the point, but like it was, well, it was very I, interesting. It is very interesting. I mean, that's probably what made you better at that right. than, than so somebody who maybe was involved. In right. So being outside and being able to watch all these behaviors and I think a night a nightclub is a nice place to sort of observe people. So I found I found that I was really good at anticipating moments, because um, you know you'd you'd watch someone walk in, put together you know whatever, and then within two hours they were like a whole different person. Yeah. So that was so a just total that, that disaster was train wreck. Right, and that was all, that was all interesting to me, yeah. and and I think uh, it made me really good really fast. I just had so many, you know, I was just so exposed to it every night. So by the time I was ready to get my own studio, um, I'd already sort of built a good enough following that people would just refer people to me. Let's, let's talk about creativity. What, how do you define it? Um, that's a good question, actually. Creativity, I think, is... I define it the same way I define art in general. I think that... Um, Art is sort of placing a mirror in front of a person and asking them to figure out which parts of themselves are missing. So if you find a way to be, uh, to, to, to understand what it is that's missing in your person and then figuring out how to balance that against whatever already exists and sort of like playing around. And I think the process of figuring out those things in whatever it is you're doing, I mean, for me, you know, photography, of course, but trying to figure out how I can incorporate the things that are missing in my, and, and not not literally, of course. Yeah, that's. yeah. So let's delve into that. Give me give me an example of when something is missing. What's missing? What could be well, missing? Okay, so for example, uh, my my dad, I lost four years ago, and I didn't realize it, but after that, I'd started photographing people in a more sad, more thoughtful, sort of less jovial um, light. And, you know, and then I, a, lot of, a lot of elements started to feel existential within my photographs. So, but, but I was doing it as a natural response to the loss. But, I, but in my day-to-day -day life, I didn't realize how much it affected me. And so I found myself, but then I've been also very lucky because I found myself uh, as part of that October 1st shooting that happened actually here um, at the Mandalay Bay. You there were was, part of it? Yeah, well, I was part of it. I was, I was, <laughs> no, I, mean, <laughs> I was a, <laughs> I, I was a, a lucky um, uh, concert goer. Oh. Who, um, I just crossed the street and uh, to, to actually come into the Mandalay. And I was walking back out to go back across the street to where, where the event was. And that's when I heard the first. I was, I, I was the first person to go on live on Facebook. No way. And 80,000 something people were watching my feed as the thing was happening. So, so I had that and then I, you know, then I lost a couple more people. I lost a couple of best friends. Uh, and I started trying, I, I started sort of acting, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the right way to say it, but I was doing things that that, that I wouldn't normally do. Like mm. I w I would just spend a week sleeping in my car uh, just to see what you it were felt depressed. like. 
Or you I, were maybe you were you were. I was just trying to. I don't. That's what I'm saying. It's hard to say. Up. It's hard to say because I don't know. I don't understand how how it. I don't. I still don't understand really how it affected me, and a lot of those things. That's that's the problem. Well, not the problem, but that's the the. The, um, on the other side of it, those things that I, that I did to sort of try to feel better, I ended up enjoying those things. So even now, I'll go sit, I'll, I have a, a, a little mattress and thing I'll put in the back of my car and I'll just go sit at the Red Rock and spend a day there and I'll just edit there. So a lot and of those, what is the Red Rock for those? Uh, Red Rock is a is a part of the city where uh, the rocks are red. Yeah, so it's a national <laughs> it's environment. A natural, it's yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a national park. And it's, uh, it's very nice scenic views and hiking and things like that. So, um, so through, through those weird sort of experiences. experiences, I found a new way to sort of photograph the world. Um, it made me want to go out and, and travel more. So I went on backpacking trips a lot by myself. I went backpacking through Asia by myself. Um, How long? Uh, this was two years ago. How long did you spend out oh, there? Oh, how long did I spend there? Oh, almost a month. Yeah, I went to seven different countries, uh, about 12 cities or so. I went to Australia as well. So you, you felt like these experiences were negative experiences, obviously, from, from an emotional negative. standpoint. Right. But then it, it But then through those experiences, I found sort of new purpose or a new a new understanding or some or, or, you or shook things people. up in your right. own life right to get those new experiences and right. understanding right and because i'd been in the studio for so long a lot of my photographs were studio you know studio photos and so i sort of i sort of got used to that and so i hadn't gone out of that comfort zone and tried to figure out what it's like to photograph someone outside you know things like that mm -hmm. uh or 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 finding stories, you know, the Humans of New York is always a good reference, you know, going, the guy just goes out and meets people every day and just photo, you know, and, and I found that to be, to be a very interesting way for me to meet people, because then I would just walk up to people and try to figure out if I could photograph them, and especially being in a foreign country where I might not speak the language or like, you know, so, so that got me a lot more comfortable with people and got me more comfortable with myself, really. Uh, and I would take random trips with people that I just met, and we'd go to places around the area. I would spend a whole day with a guy at a, I met at a coffee shop, or you know things like that. So I just opened myself up to all these experiences. It's like a rebirth, right? And so that's sort of the, the space where I am now. So I feel, I feel uh, one of my clients just hired me to photograph something for one of the hotels here recently, and they were going to come up with this whole creative thing and do this and hire this person. And I was like, guys, actually, if you just let me do it, I think I, think I can do a better job than, I don't want you guys to spend money. Because like, I already have like, an idea of like, what it feels like to sort of, because you know, the way they were explaining it to me, I was like, this is literally the life I'm living right now. You know? so, so then I could tap into those experiences and I just took, I just took my model and we went around, you know, around the different parts of the, of the hotel and I would just photograph her the way I, I sort of saw her walking, passing through, you know, metaphorically passing through life while everything's happening around and she's still and sort of an observer in this world, right? So, so I'd sort of taken that mentality and like applied it to that. So 
And when I when I showed the photos to the clients, they were just <laughs> yeah, they, they paid me immediately. Actually, they paid me immediately. They were so happy. And that never <laughs> happened. Before yeah, you up your price. Me, they paid <laughs> me before I walked out. Like, sent me, I sent them a link. They paid me and they were, they were just, you know, and I was like, and so that's, that also has inspired me now to then go and like feel more comfortable saying, don't worry, I can come up with an idea. Because if it's not me, someone else is doing it. So if someone else can do it, why, why couldn't I be the one being the creative director or, you know. Of and, course. And in our jobs, you know, we have people separate these, these, uh, these elements and trying to, trying to um, pay, you know, the client then has to pay so many people just to get this one idea. And the ideas aren't complicated. If you understand how humans operate and, mm -hmm. and things like that, then I think that as the photographer, as the creative force, like you should be able to be the one people come up to and say, hey, create this, create this feeling. Right, and then a seamless connection between the, the art direction and right. the execution of the right. photography right. versus the risk of having two different people trying to communicate. It's right, and it's, it's hard to find two people who agree on something. And a lot of times when you work with uh, people who aren't artistic or an artsy or who aren't, you know, like corporate people, they, they just don't, they don't see it, they don't get it. Um, so you could choose to just do do what they want, make them happy, everyone's happy, and that's fine. Or you know, then you could take it more of a creative risk. I wouldn't say risk, but mm -hmm. just take it up on yourself to come up with something more interesting that you and because you understand the psychology of it and you understand the way, you know, the way people will see this photo and the way it'll affect them and, and get the point across. An important issue for creatives when they have to deal with the guy who's writing the check, right. you know, the client who oftentimes is not a creative, is communicating and encouraging and essentially selling you know, your idea or yourself mm -hmm. to that person. Have you gotten better at that? I have. Uh, well, I think nowadays uh, it's, it's an issue of just the work speaking for itself. Okay, so you've um, developed the reputation. So I've, so I've done enough, enough things that usually whenever a job comes in, I can say, okay, go on this section of my website and click on that and you can see samples. So, so it sort of works for me in that way. Do you ever worry about losing your creativity? There are definitely moments where the creativity goes wherever it goes for a while. And, but I think that is goes when away it just goes, yeah, you can you just, like there are moments where I don't feel like photographing, I don't feel like, I've gone, actually recently I'd gone almost a month without touching my camera. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I spent that month learning to play uh, jazz piano. So it's not that, maybe it's not that it goes away. I think it's, you, if you are smart, you'll figure out how to channel, re-channel it into something else in the meantime. Cause, because you can't do whatever you're doing or you know, it's like when you have writer's block. Um, if you, if you want to get, it has to, it goes somewhere, but it has to come back eventually. So how do you, how do you make, how do you, like what do you do, what do you do in the meantime? Are you sitting around sobbing, being, you know, melancholy or what else do you like doing because that's how it comes back you have to go figure out something else because I think, shake shit I think up. yeah because I think really um, a, a block of some sort is really just a way to say hey take a break and go go figure you know go do something else and go get re-inspired maybe right. so and then you can come back to this and right in your ways of getting re-inspired are so dramatic and entertaining right. yeah jazz piano right. or going to Asia or right. I something think else, anything at all, just yeah, anything but something. Yeah. It's never just it's never just sitting, you know, uh, feeling sorry for myself. Did you learn that 
or was that always just kind of a natural response to getting in a rut? Mm, I've always had the sort of personality where I had to figure things out. So I actually I play seven instruments because I, like my saxophone, I just watch someone playing it and I sort of watch them for a while and sort of figure figured out the, the the way the fingers you know were moving. And then all I had to do was learn how to actually make a sound. Yeah, I used so, to play. Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. So you know that, that that's like that's a hard thing yeah. to figure out. So as soon as I figured that out, then all of a sudden I could play it. I know. So I've always and so then. I went and bought a saxophone. My dad bought me a saxophone. This was a long time ago, and then um, and then I just spent, you know, all my free time learning just that one thing. Mm. You know, I'd pick a song one day and I'd spend the whole day trying to figure it out, and I would just keep going, keep going until I got it, and then I would get bored, and then you know, move on to something else. You know so. what this reminds me of? Uh, I read somewhere once that if you want to get smarter, and I'm going to extend that term to okay. being more creative. Okay. Get your mind used to going in, in different directions, directions with different paths. Right. You, you, just, you do things differently. And one of the anecdotes that this article said was, instead of brushing your teeth with the hand, the, your dominant hand, right. brush your right. teeth yeah. with your left hand. Right. Do things new, which is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. The, what you're talking about is, more dramatic and interesting with the learning, you know, the the finger movements of a saxophone and, and all those types of things. But it's the same thing, isn't it's it? It's the same thing. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, that, that left brain, right brain thing, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, I'm left brain, I'm right brain. It's like, no, you have a brain that has left and right, you know, so you, you're actually both, you just choose to be, you know, you stick to whatever it is and you think, and you just le you let yourself believe that that's that's what you are essentially. Mm -hmm. But I found, I found that even though I'm uh, very much in my own world and I like being in dark kind of rooms working you know, through the night, I also am very social and I can go out and like, you know, I can play a role. Um, and so I, so I think it's important to train all these different elements because oftentimes no one's gonna hire you just because you're good at the thing that you're that you're doing you know people people want to come in for the experience and they and you know when people come to my studio I'll force them to sing a song you know I have a mic set up and I'll force them to just jam with me first and uh, and then at that point you know we're, we're you know my, my goal is yeah. always to try to make make them feel like we're friends yeah, yeah. by the time we get to the back room where we're doing the shoot yeah. so I so I like just trying different things out and and, and that, that, that for me, that for me is sort of my creative process. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of like, I don't know. It's an evolution. Word is, right, yeah. It's, it's an evolution and you're adapting yourself and, right. and you're adopting new things and to make going yourself, in new places, right. which, is, which is fantastic. And I think it's valuable for everybody. Right, to make so, yourself worth more. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and of course, adding more value to that experience and that person's totally and making it worth it that they're paying you for you know mm -hmm. wow like this is what I'm getting for this amount of money or whatever and it's so much more yeah. a lot of times a lot of little things like someone will hire me for a picture and I'll create a little video behind the scenes for them to post and share things like that and it works both ways it works to my advantage as well because they're gonna tag me in it and then people are gonna see that and go oh wow cool I want to do that and so you know smart yeah. really smart all right so what do you do as an independent photographer who gets paid and who has a career do, going from job to job, very similar to a hairdresser who gets paid only when they do a service for a client. Mm -hmm. um, how, do you, how do you continue to market yourself as, as that so that you have this consistent income? 
Well, the key to being able to sort of stay, you know, afloat is to diversify. And a lot of people, because they work sort of from paycheck to paycheck, um, have a hard time seeing that the bigger picture, you know, and 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 that's fine, you know. But but I think that for me, I'm more of a long-term planner. And I've always been someone who sort of set goals. If you look in my phone, you'll see I have lists for different things, for everything really. Um, and uh, I like to set long-term goals and work backwards to give myself a blueprint towards whatever it is that goal. The end uh, at the end of that of that um, that goal. So, uh, for example, okay, I want to I want to own a house, but this is how much I make every month. How much how much does it take? To, to how much do I need for, the, for a down payment? Okay, so then that comes, you know, that's second on the list. And then, that, and then how much do I make every month? And sort of just breaking things down. Um, and then I find, okay, well, if I can save this amount of money over this period of time in five years, then I'll be able to get it. I, you know, of course, things change, but at least it's sort of a general, it's a good base and a good structure. And so then all of a sudden I find, that I have a blueprint, okay, to be able to make this quicker, then maybe I need to stop eating this or take this out of my, you know, maybe less coffee or less this or less, you know, whatever. Or if I'm living in this apartment, maybe get to get this other apartment that's a little bit cheaper. And so you can sort of, you can really, it's really easy because I, I do it all the time, but, but I think that uh, a lot of people just don't, they just let it sit in their head and it, you know, and, and it feels complicated. Yeah. Uh, I find that writing things down just makes things very simple. Yeah, so all, all the creatives listening, it's okay to be a creative and to be pragmatic and logical right. about your goals. Right. Uh, don't live above your means is an important one. You know, everyone, because we have to, we have to, to the public, we have to seem like we are well put together even though we're not. And so that comes with, you know, people want to dress a certain way and people want to Whatever it is, you know, uh, I, I don't care for those things personally. I actually try to figure out how to do it the opposite way. How can I live from a suitcase and only wear these same things over and over again? How can I like spend, how can I spend less money? How can I have other people bring me food every, every time they come to shoot, right? You know, things like that. So, so I'm, I'm sort of going through on the back end, trying to figure out how to, how not to spend money. So then I have a lot more money to save yeah. and I put those towards my goals. Yeah. And I use apps like Digit and things like that to set sort of longer term goals. Like, okay, I'm gonna travel this summer. I don't know where yet, but I know that by August 12th, I'll have the exact amount I need for a ticket. How much do you need? I need 1,200. Okay. So, so, I have, so I have one of my goals and it's saving, it's saving about four, four or five, between four, four or five dollars to twenty dollars every day. Okay. And I don't think about it. I don't check it. It doesn't send me any notifications. It's just playing in the background. Do you pay attention to any accounts uh, of hairdressers uh, on Instagram and how they're running their accounts as far as their uh, photography? Yes. So what, what are your thoughts? And, 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 and don't hold back okay. because, it's, <laughs> because holding nice. back and just being positive is not right. always helpful. No, I definitely, it's definitely not positive. This is my thing with, with hair accounts. Why is it just the before and after picture? Or why is it the back of the head? 
why why can't they why can't there just be a little bit more movement a little bit more be, you know of the of the process of it why is it always just this is the final product and that's it and there's nothing wrong with that but they're nice pictures but they are just so repetitive that every single person does them and like no one has ever just gone outside like why not just go outside and take the picture outside somewhere like why is it always on on the white and i understand that you know you want to you want people to see you know the product, the final product, which is the whole point of it. And I think generally most people are fine seeing that and going, okay, the, you know, this is great. But for someone like me, when I'm scrolling through it and going to the next one and going to the next one, it's just so repetitive that it, it actually bothers me. It's very annoying. And that's, that's one of the things I'm talking about actually today, uh, tomorrow, um, is how can you create better a better experience when someone's looking at a picture of, of your product. Your so you, you're doing a, a talk? You got yeah. a class? I have a class, yeah. Okay, so um, my next question is probably just leading into okay. where everyone's thinking right now. If you were a hairdresser, how would you manage your photography of your clients and your page? I would, I would try to have them do other things besides whatever it is that they they already do or whatever you know when we're done taking when we're done with the hair or whatever i would i would try to try to take them out of that and back into their their reality and see and see how the change has affected their life does that make sense sure like you know you came in and your hair was all messy and whatever that has to sort of have some sort of psychological effect on a, on a maybe a very small level because you know people get their hair d done over and over but I think that at the point where you've done your hair and it's sort of like it's been good for the first maybe five days and then it's gone back to <laughs> what it was before I think that you know you probably went out for those five days and had a, a fun few nights like those are the pictures and that's the experience that I want to see more so just the final product. I want to see what it did to, to, to that person's life in that, for that moment in time. Uh, so, so I would create a series of either photos that tell that story or video uh, or mix it up you know, a little bit. But I would, I would just have them, if, if I couldn't do it myself, I would have them send me photographs from their experiences and go. And then I would try to incorporate some, some wording, of course, to, to, to sort of add to the, explaining the experience to whoever's, whoever the viewer is. I think that's amazing. I think it, what you're doing is you're getting a broad uh, perspective on the context right. of the hair within the life of right. this. Because uh, that's exactly, because that's to the, to, if, I was, if I was a hairstylist, that would essentially become my way of branding myself. Because I think branding, with branding, it's important to, to, um, to share a lifestyle because that is something sustainable. That's something that people want to sort of, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a goal that people want to sort of see themselves in that light. So they want to they know that if they get their hair done, they can go out to a club and have this awesome experience because their hair looks nice, right? Yeah. So I want to be able to show that. And, and uh, someone was feeling down and they felt happier because their hair was done, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So those are the kinds of experiences that I would want to share as opposed to just showing the before and after pictures all the time. So, so would you suggest, um, okay, you're a hairdresser, let's right. say you have a hundred you know, regular clients and you're gonna know which ones are the ones who, whose personalities and beauty and everything right. comes through the camera most, right. right? And who are best at 
taking pictures of themselves or having their friends taking pictures of them. Right. So would you go to like focus on five of them? I would and say, find I would find more value in giving them a free haircut or a free whatever hairstyle um, in exchange for their time, the time to then go out and photograph them or to go out and create some content. Um, because not only are you able to share it, they're also sharing it. And, and so it's opening up this whole thing where other people get to see your product. And so, and so, that's, that, so that, all, that in itself, I feel, is, uh, is um, worth more than just, you know, the average, here's the money and thanks for the haircut and then walk away. And here's a ring light picture right. with a white wall behind you. Yeah. Okay, so let's get to the nitty gritty. Okay. And tell people from a technical standpoint, okay. um, if you are a hairdresser taking pictures of clients, and let's, you've got a day when you've got 10 clients, you don't have a lot of time in between to take their pictures, but you wanna get content for your hairgram. Hire someone. Hire someone. Yeah. What if they don't have the money to hire somebody? There, there's always someone who's good at doing a job that isn't expensive. You just have to find them. An amateur you, photographer. An amateur photographer, someone who's fresh out of college, who's sort of also trying to build uh, that sort of, they want to be a content creator you know, professionally and they want to also build a clientele. A collaboration. You just, yeah, you partner up with them and you send them good quality hair styles and then they send you photographs. So that's... You're sending, you're, so you're collaborating with a photographer. Right. You're sending, you're sending them what? You're giving them, you're giving them uh, the the uh, the person. Okay. So they're looking for photos. Okay. So so you're doing Janice the client, right. and then you're sending Janice to the photographer, right? For free uh, photography, and Janice does it because she wants good she wants photography. Yeah. And it's, then you it's get a win -win those pictures for everyone. as well. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So tell me. Um, how do you then find those people? <laughs> yes. How, how do you find the, the photographer who wants to collaborate? Uh, everyone knows someone who knows someone who knows a photographer. And if they post it on their Facebook or on their, you know, on their social page or, or whatever, eventually someone will turn up. People find me all the time because someone tags, tagged me in a thing and then they clicked on it and they saw, you know, Okay. So I think that I think that just throwing the word out into the universe and, and, and or Craigslist, not even the universe, Craigslist, throwing out into Craigslist will be one easy way to find mm -hmm. someone who is willing to do. So you just got to beat the bushes, yeah. find some, some just find spend, spend some time. Uh, I mean, we're sitting here and there's someone with a camera. Right. I could have him take a picture of us right now, and that could be a picture that we can use. Uh, later on to share that we've just had a podcast and right. I bet you it would cost him nothing and you know I just I think that I think things are that's easier. a nice looking camera too <laughs> right. and that would be a, an awesome picture for, for um, those listening a, a photographer with a very nice looking camera just walked I by think, I think it was a red camera but yeah I, just, I think camera. yeah I think that there or learn how to do it yourself and like nowadays you can uh, uh, you can use YouTube I use YouTube still all the time and I try to learn you know ways or get or get I mean if you have a family member if you have a friend like there's always someone who's creative in the family who can take on those responsibilities and I think that learning how to um, delegate is also important if you find yourself too busy to do something 
Uh, if you've gotten to the point where you're too busy, that's probably a good sign that you need to start getting some help as well. So, All right, so let's say you're a hairdresser and you, you're looking at your client roster and you're like, wow, I don't know if I have any client who's, who's going to look very good in front of the camera. So you think to yourself, how do I get, how do I get a really good looking client? How do I get a model? Right. How do you, how do you work with, how does how a hairdresser do you, work, work? How do you find, find a model? And, yeah. Because um, you work with a lot of models. Yeah. I, I find a lot of models, well, for commercial jobs, I just go through agencies, but agencies are expensive. Right. Um, a lot of times, I, I find that people, there's always some bartering that, that comes with these things, and I find that there's always someone who needs a picture for whatever reason. Maybe, it or might need, not be. needs their hair done. Right, or needs yeah. their, yeah, in this case, needs their hair done. And, um, and so I can offer that to them for, for some, you know, eventu eventuality, you know, saying, okay, in the future, maybe if you, if you don't mind, I would like to use you for my, for my promotions or for my ads or something. And they're happy to do it. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's, always, there's always some way. It's not, it's not as complicated as people think. Right. And, and once you find someone, whether it be uh, an attractive uh, person to be your hair model right. or a photographer who's doing a good job right. in the collaboration, you can repeat the collaboration over right. and over again as long as everybody feels like there's they're value getting, that they're, they're getting. getting. And you can repost that content. Right. You know, some of the best influencers in our industry repost the same models. Right over and over and over. Sometimes we post the same pictures over and over, which is totally fine, because on Instagram we know that not all of our followers see all of our content. Everything, right. And, you'll, and you also have to remember, even if I, took a, if, if I took five photographs from this experience today, I could spend, well, I don't want to say five photographs. Let's say, I took, let's say I spent five minutes taking a bunch of photographs. I don't have to post all of them at the same time, obviously. Uh, if I post one today, I can wait for maybe three weeks and let sort of the, let the, the, the timeline go, you know, scroll down a few and then I can post it again. So you can create content that you can still use because people have a very short attention span and no one is going to go, oh my God, that's the same, you know, it's always going to feel different every time you share something um, as long as you've spaced it out enough to, to avoid the, uh, the complication of the attention. Right, right. I think that's fantastic. Uh, what's the hardest part about what you do? Mm, the hardest part, I think, is the inconsistency, maybe. Is that what you mean? Like, or do you mean on more just Whatever you find to be the hardest the, part. The, in the inconsistency. I don't like trying to find my jobs. I don't like trying to market. I just know that it's a necessary and important part of, of sustainability. And so I, as much as I, I hate saying, um, okay, come in next week for a hundred dollar special, or I hate specials, let's just say that. I hate having to, um, to put less value on the, the quality of work that I'm giving to people. But it's a necessary part of what I do because it is, First, it's a way to gain more, more, um, more clients, and also I think I think it works better. It works well in the long run because then uh, you get all the people who maybe wanted to work with you who never had a chance to, and then they come in, and then those people might have people who will then pay you 
whatever it is that you, that you charge for service. Mm -hmm. So I think from time to time, doing that, you know, that promotion or giving a free shoot away here and here and there, or or uh, just any any of that, I find to be to be effective, even though it's my least favorite thing to do. Because all I can think about is this is what my time is worth, and I'm not getting that, and it's pissing me off. But you know, you have to think about what's the what's the bigger picture in that situation, and I think. If you were a hairstylist, not a professional photographer, back okay. to if you were a hairstylist, yeah. would you buy a DSLR camera or would you use your cell phone? Uh, if I had a, like an iPhone X, maybe those take really good pictures. Uh, but I would invest. Excuse me. Um, I would invest in a DSLR camera because they're not really expensive. This camera cost me three hundred and fifty dollars. This, this particular one, mm -hmm. and I use it, and it's easy for me to travel with it. And at any point in time, I have a little camera that I could just take a picture and then I have you know a photograph of whatever that moment is uh, and just having something you can carry around with you that is looks professional and I think for it sends it sends a good message like if someone takes a camera out and they're taking a picture of you you kind of you always look at them a certain way <laughs> you can't avoid it right, right. Um, if they're trying to take something that they're gonna post on the internet for example um, you always hope that it's gonna be a better quality because that's just what you're conditioned to, right. to seeing. Like, even though the, the iPhone realistically could take just as good a picture because you're not blowing it up, and so, so on this scale, it works fine. But I think that subconsciously, or maybe consciously, people would feel better seeing you with a DSLR camera. Interesting. And yeah, I, I, it's just, it's, it's a smart investment. Mm -hmm. so. so some of the guys and ladies that, um, now make a living as a hairdresser who does nothing but models, creating content, and they get paid by the brands. Right. Um, I know that they go crazy with the with the lenses. Yeah. You know, they'll spend a couple grand on a lens, right? Um, what? what uh, why is that? Why do they do that? Do you think it's worth it? Do you think it's necessary? I think, I think you only need three three lenses, but it also depends on what you're doing. If you're someone who photographs things obviously if you're far away and you're photographing maybe soccer games or whatever for example then you need a long lens but I think that you just have to gauge what it is that you're trying to create the most and then just buy a lens that fits that and then you'll be fine or a lens that just has a good range um, and so you don't really have to you know you just have to buy one because lenses are actually more important than the actual body of the camera okay. so I think it's important to spend a good amount of money on a good lens but one that fits the span of what it is that you're trying to uh, to capture every day okay. mostly so okay we normally do uh, a segment of the podcast where that we call the hair horror story segment yeah. where a hairdresser talks about something horrible that happened in the salon. Okay. Let's talk about the photography horror stories. Have you had any horrible photography experiences <laughs> in your career? Not, none, none stands out to me really because I actively try to create an environment that's peaceful and positive. I think outside of just people maybe not wanting to pay for something eventually or just someone who says they're unhappy with, with the content after they've approved it. So you and got stiffed. Yeah, and that's something that happens from time to time, so it's not like, so it's not something that would stand out so much. Um, 
the worst thing that hap that happens is when you go maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes of a drive to a location and you just forget your batteries. <laughs> uh, Don Donovan is nodding his head. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, that's something that's happened to me on many occasions. Actually, you know what? There is there is one one incident that um, I feel bad and that that I've carried around with me for the last. 10 years. Do tell. Uh, a friend of mine hired me to photograph her her wedding and uh, I was pretty sure I was transferring all the pictures but there was the whole section of the bride and groom you know pose with the sun it was by the beach and it was uh, with the sun setting and things you know and it was a very beautiful moment and I think probably the reason why they even had the wedding there in the first place was because they wanted that view and they wanted those pictures. And for whatever reason, those are the only pictures that were missing. And for what, and I just, I don't understand how. And back then, I never realized, uh, and these are the things that, these are lessons that I think you have to learn the hard way. There's no other way to really learn them. But I never realized you could, you could uh, recover pictures at the time. Once, once they're gone, I just thought, you know, if you accidentally deleted them or whatever, or whatever, it was gone. It wasn't, it wasn't until maybe that happened again uh, uh, to uh, not, not, a, not a serious an incident, but it happened. And then I was like, there's got to be a way for someone to get these pictures back somehow. And of course, I threw it out to my internet friends and someone's like, oh, here's a number for computer BG, computer doctor BG. That's the name of the company. And I went to them and it cost me $170 and I was like, oh my God, I had to pay, I had to pay the client back. And it was in California, I, you know, I drove there and I spent two days there and I had to give them the money back because, you know, I didn't have, I didn't do my a job to their satisfaction. Okay, so and hold on, you, you're talking about the, you're talking about the, the first, wedding? Yeah, yeah. The wedding. So, so you couldn't so, recover or you didn't know I just how didn't to know. recover? I didn't know you could. And if I knew that, So what do you think, what do you think happened? I have no idea till this day because they just weren't on the they, disc. They weren't on the on the hard the, drive. The, the hard the flash yeah, drive. Or yeah, because you know it was a, it was an eight hour wedding and I had maybe four or five uh, cards and once they're full I don't like to I don't like to uh, I don't like to even if I transfer the pictures I don't like to erase them mm -hmm. so I like to keep them for about a week or so until I've made duplicate copies and, and things because weddings obviously are hopefully once in a lifetime yeah, for, most, yeah. for most people uh, and so I want to make sure that there's two backups at least or the client has gotten it before I delete the before I delete the card so it was just missing from the card and then it was missing from the drive because I did you know there was there's so much going on and I was taking so many photos that I had to um, I had to erase pictures and things like that. So I was, I was actively transferring and making backups and for whatever reason, that one just slipped oh like somewhere. So that's one that's always, and I lost a friendship oh on top of no. that. So we haven't spoken, it's been 10 years now. Oh, <laughs> bummer. You know, so. But now you know that you can recover them. Well, if now I know I can recover them, but also I know to double check. Yeah. So, uh, so now I've built a habit of double checking and triple checking and sort of, you know, back, my backups have backups and, you know, just creating a sort of a, a, a nice consistent way to go about it to make sure it doesn't happen again. Oh, that and is it, a... And I, of course it will happen at some point, but like at least now I understand, you know, that there are ways to recover them. So right. there, there are ways to prevent the situation from being uh, bigger than it should be. I don't shoot on big cards anymore. I shoot on smaller cards. 
and I just buy more of those cards. So that way, if anything's missing, it's just one card missing, mm -hmm. not so much the whole thing, you know? So. That was a horror story. <laughs> that was a photographic horror yes. story. Yeah. Okay, any last words for the creative community? Uh, yeah, I think, I believe, or at least I like to treat myself as a business the same way a corporation treats themselves as a business entity. Um, when I operate, I operate like there's 20 of me, work, 20 people working for me, right? Um, I have an accountant who balances my expenditures. Um, I have my tax guy who makes sure that my taxes are done properly. Um, invoicing, I send people estimates, I send, you know, I keep track of everything. So I treat it very much like a, a corporate business. I have my insurance, I have certificate of insurances that I, that I make sure that I have extras printed out and I submit them before because I know they're going to ask for them. You know, so I treat documentation um, uh, with utmost importance because... Professionalism. Uh, yeah, and I think that it helps, um, it helps when you go apply for, when you're going, you know, when you're, uh, you're, you're trying to get a job for people to see those elements because if, you're, if you want to get a bigger job, a corporate job, a something working with the company, they don't want to just feel like they're giving their money to just some person. So I think presenting yourself like a business is very important. Having a logo, having um, just, that's, that's what branding is really, you know, it's just having a professional way about your business. I think is important in setting in setting you apart from everyone else. And there's actually one one other thing that I love to I love to um, make sure that people understand. Um, when you bid for a job, or when you ask someone what their what their budget is, they will always offer you the least amount of money that they think that you're going to accept. So you should then get in the habit of um, countering. And that's worked for me every time. So anytime someone says, I go, okay, what's your budget? They'll say, okay, 500. Now I'll go, well, okay, that's cool. Um, my, my rate's actually, you know, 800 or 900 or something. You know, go up just a little bit higher than what it is that they've told you. Um, and, and you'll always get, hopefully, it's, like I said, it's, it's worked for me all the time, um, but you'll always get more money than people will initially offer you. Do you, so have, the, the, do you yeah. have a rule of thumb on, on how on much, how much yeah. to, to, to go up? Mm -hmm. uh, or it depends you feel on your way? If it's, well, I, I have my rates already. Mm -hmm. So I think even more importantly is having a baseline and saying for this kind of job and for this kind of, you know, whatever, I won't go lower than this amount. So unless, unless I'm just doing absolutely nothing or I just haven't worked in so long that I'll just take whatever. But... Um, having a baseline and going, okay, well, maybe this is a friend. I want to give them a deal. It's usually friends or, you know, it's, al it's always some sort of someone, someone you know or someone who knows someone you know. So they feel like, you know, you're going to give them sort of preferential treatment, which you will, but they will still come in lower than, you know. And so when you say, when you go up a couple hundred, I, I just like go up a couple hundred more. Um, uh, it, it always works for me. So good advice. I feel, like, I feel like that's a good tip that works for yeah. for anyone who's everybody struggles with that, right? You know, yeah. maintaining their worth. And yeah. 
Or even better yet, just have a price list. No one argues with a price list because it's already there and you don't have to go through back and forth arguing about what the price should be. So it's either you accept it or you don't accept it. So. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. This was That's fun. Cool. Yeah. All right, we're back. I'm here with Donovan again. Next week, our episode is going to be our conversation with Maddie Conrad. So Maddie and I have been talking quite a bit. He wanted to come up with something extra to give on his episode, and we came up with something super cool. So here's what it's going to be. A free ticket to Maddie's class at Salon Republic Hollywood on July 15th. That's the day after Lookbook, okay? Free ticket to that. And then after the class, Maddie and I are going to take the winner out to dinner and drinks in Hollywood, and we're going to hang out. That sounds pretty neat. That's sick, right? Yeah. Okay. And then, um, and then the winner is going to get their own Victory apron. Victory is the brand, uh, Maddie's brand, and it's those really cool denim, like high quality aprons. So the winner is going to get one of those. To enter, do you want to tell them how to enter? Yes, so what you have to do is uh, you listen to Maddie's episode, uh, and then what you do is you post a video on your IG stories or your feed. So you're not posting a review, this is a little bit different. So you post a video on your IG stories or your feed about what you liked most about the episode. And then what you do is you tag Maddie Conrad and tag Love Eric Taylor, and then hashtag the Hair Game Podcast so we can find you. That's right. That's how we're going to find you. We're going to watch the videos and then we're going to choose the best video and announce the winner on May 27th on all of our uh, all of our Instagram channels, Maddie's, Salon Republic's, mine, and that day's podcast on May 27th, okay? That's how we're going to do it. Uh, hope you enjoy the episode and hope you enter to win. I'm super excited to meet one lucky you, okay? Until then, everybody, have a great week.